and welcome to Powerful Podcasts. My name's Kirsten Lees and today we're talking about China. If in doubt, think about the rich Chinese. Let's say there's only 2% of them who are rich, and, but what's 2% of a billion people? A big number. How do you build a relationship with a billion people? How can you communicate with individual customers in a nation most outsiders still know little about? And if you do have the persistence, if you do have the commitment to developing a good reputation at whatever your craft may be, the, you know, the gold is at the end of the rainbow. Let's start with a few social media facts to do with China. The fastest growing social media platform on the planet is WeChat. 600 million people in China are on social media and the Chinese shop twice as much online as the rest of the world and 87% of them will get their advice online from others before they buy. This is Powerful Podcasts and we're taking a look at China. We have investor and entrepreneur David Thomas from Think Global who sees a Chinese business relationship as like a bit of a marriage. And we have the man who brought Liverpool FC and Taylor Swift to mainland China, not to mention the Australian AFL, Andrew Collins. So keep listening to Powerful Podcasts. You're listening to Powerful Podcasts with Kirsten Lees, brought to you by Think First, content for value, growth and impact. Think Global's David Thomas is with us now. David, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, I uh, have been fascinated with the BRICS over the last five to ten years, but my history goes back 30 years with China. And China is one of the BRICS. Remember Brazil, Russia, India and China. Um, China and India are the two exciting Asian countries in the BRIC um, group. And, uh, but I've been dealing with Chinese investors and business people for over 30 years. So um, I've, uh, I've had a lot of experience on both sides of dealing with them, either as a buyer or a supplier, or in putting deals together. So I feel I understand them quite well. So you work with companies who are going into China? Yes, and I work with Chinese investors and entrepreneurs coming out of China. So both in both directions. As you know, this is uh, what we specialise in in this podcast is communication. So I'm quite interested, I'm extremely interested, to find out what aspect of a business strategy for moving into China is, is communications. How much of an important role does it play? Well, initially, the most important way to establish any kind of presence in a market like China is to build relationships on the ground. And that means trusted relationships, which generally means face-to-face contacts. Um, of course, you can take advantage of social media and other networks to build your brand and name out there, but you won't get anywhere until you've built one-to-one personal trusted relationships on the ground. Once you've done that, then I think there's a range of things you can do to support that in terms of your uh, communication strategy. But it all starts basically with an element of trust. Uh, Everything works around that. So given that um, as a business I move in, uh, personally I seek out an appropriate network, they see me as a trustworthy person, what can I do with my business to make sure that that trust is backed up, it's visible, it's echoed, they can search and find me and see examples of, of, of evidence of that trustworthiness? Well, yes, it's still a bit clunky and a bit ancient and a bit um, 
historical and it, it all starts, I mean let, let's go back a stage and say that in order to do business in China you're going to need somebody on the ground I think to help you. I think it's very difficult for foreign companies to do business in China without some kind of local partner, distributor, agent, wholesaler, somebody on the ground who you can trust who will look after your interests and will help you develop your local networks. That is starting to change a bit because of the internet and the whole e-commerce environment is creating opportunities for you to sell your product in China without you necessarily even being there through the Alibaba network for example. Um, there are examples now of people selling Australian fruit in China without actually having a presence there through the internet because there's such a big demand for Australian fruit, for ex as an example. But generally, I think it's very hard for foreign companies to do business without a local relationship, and that requires an enormous amount of work, like a marriage. Uh, and it's, not, it's going to be built on a whole range of uh, factors that uh, you need to constantly and consistently work on. So there are quite a few businesses, and we'll be talking to one later in, in the show, who offer sort of social media services into China. Let's say that's a supplementary to the, the marriage relationship you've established. How, how effective can that be as part of what you do to bring your business into that, into that market? Well, I think it can be very effective once you've got the relationships. Um, so the, the most popular platform, social media platform in China, is called WeChat. Um, which is a, uh, comes out of Tencent, one of the large Chinese companies. And WeChat is an extraordinarily uh, active, um, fast-growing network where businesses can be, information can be exchanged, where relationships can be created, where networks and connections flourish because you're part of a, an existing trusted network who are already your friends and your contacts, a bit like Facebook is in, in the West. So actually, WeChat is enabling a lot of inter-business inter relationships to be formed simply because they're working off existing net networks. And uh, it's certainly a, a very fast-growing area and one that I think we're still all learning about as we go, but I think it will certainly become more important in the future. And do you see that as something that's working the other way as well? Do you have much understanding of, of Chinese businesses outsourcing their social media to... A, to, into the Australian market? Yeah, not so much. Um, the uh, Chinese are still working out how to promote their brands and deliver messages in a Western context, where we're a lot more driven by the role of the contract, you know, to, to secure the relationship as opposed to the relationship. Um, they're still learning a lot about how to do that. And if you see Chinese ads in Australia, for example, they're, they're always a little bit plain and a bit vanilla and not particularly exciting or attractive. They're still having to learn how to promote themselves here. Um, but of course, uh, WeChat is fast growing in Australia too. So I don't see any reason, and I'm starting to see this already, how Chinese companies are starting to spread their message through WeChat into Australian Chinese mainly, um, who are in, on the ground here. And that's also filtering its way into the sort of broader Australian market. So as a business moving into China, what are the sort of the factors for success mm. would you, you would Well, I always say to Australian companies, you've got five problems in China. Um, you don't speak the language, uh, you don't understand the local culture, you don't understand the environment, you don't have the connections, and in most cases you don't have the money. And most people agree with that, <laughs> sadly. Um, and, and funnily enough, I think language is actually the least of our problems, although I think most people see it as the greatest problem. I think that you can overcome language issues quite easily by using interpreters and things. Uh, what, but, but managing the cultural differences, I think, is immensely challenging. 
and having done many different uh, business deals between Australians and Westerners and Chinese, it's always the culture that's the most, the differences in culture that's the most challenging. So I often say to people, that you, if these are your five problems, you've got to find a way of solving them. And um, one of the ways to do that, and certainly I've done quite a bit of this lately, which is starting to produce some results, is to source a Chinese entrepreneur or investor or, or, or businessman who has an interest in doing things here and finding a way of matching them with your business because then you can overcome those five things. And of course, in many cases, that entrepreneur will have money as well and, and is willing to or interested in investing in your success in China. And who better to deal with in terms of the China market than somebody who's already invested in your business and shown his commitment to you and obviously having the money to do it because... Uh, uh, it takes time, it takes patience, and I've seen many companies who are not fully capitalized in terms of their China operation uh, failing because they run out of time and patience and uh, they suddenly pull the pin. So there, there's, there's numerous challenges. But I tend to say, if, if in doubt, think about the rich Chinese. Let's say there's only 2% of them who are rich, and, but what's 2% of a billion people? It's a big number. In Australia, we've only got 20 million people in the whole country. So, of course, you have to you know, be everywhere to service a market like that. But, but in China, if you only had to go after the top 2%, where would you go? And you probably wouldn't. There are some parts of China you probably wouldn't go, but there are many parts that you would. And, you know, places like Shanghai and Guangzhou, this is where all the, many of the rich people are. Um, if you can provide and offer them something that they need and they're willing to pay a premium price for, you can generate a very significant margin on your normal standard product that you sell in Australia. Um, and so I say to everybody, if, if, if in doubt, just go for the premium market. That's, the, that's where all the money is. As you know, David, communications and thinking strategically about how you speak to the rest of the world is what the podcast is about and about what we're interested in at Think First. How, where does that rank? In a, should that rank in a company's mind as it thinks of approaching China? Well, yes, of course. Um, as an example, we recently came across a project in Victoria where the owners of the project were looking to attract a Chinese investor. And they sent me their information memorandum and asked me to look at it. And it was actually very well produced and had all the relevant information in it, but it was all in English. So I called them and said, but this, is in, this should be in Chinese if you want to attract a Chinese investor. And they said, really? Do you think that's important? And that did make me think, well, then they, they need to get a lot clearer about who their market is here, you know, who are they thinking of when they're writing. These are just basic examples, but of course there's a hidden underlying message here that if we're trying to communicate in a foreign language, we have to learn a lot about how that's done effectively to understand what the other side are looking for. Um, in the case of the Chinese, for example, I know for a fact that whatever they say, they're always more interested in security of their money than returns. Um, which is unusual because they keep telling you how much they make and how, what kind of returns they want. But actually safety is more important to them. Um, so we have to be very clear about making sure we communicate that message first before we get into talking about what potential returns they might get from that investment. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today about China and communicating into China. How can people get hold of you if they're interested in following up? Well, thank you, Kirsten. It's been lovely to be here. Um, I'm very easily accessible through my office in Sydney and on the web at thinkglobal.com.au. Fabulous. Thank you, David. Thank you.
Our next guest is Andrew Collins. Andrew is the CEO of Nailman, a digital technology and investment company based in Shanghai. In 2013, Collins co-founded Kwo. Kwo is a publishing app built to deliver international businesses access directly to the Chinese social media market. First of all, Andrew, thank you so much for, t- for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, with Mailman and your many other entrepreneurial ventures, you've introduced global brands into China. I've got names like Liverpool FC, Man U, Macy's, Taylor Swift, all of which you've facilitated um, reaching Chinese audiences. I believe you even brought AFL into the Chinese mainland. We did, yeah, back in 2010. I'm kind of, I'm interested to know what lessons medium-sized businesses can learn when they kind of follow in the footsteps of some of these global brands into that remarkable market. Yeah, I mean, like, to be frank with you, we've, we've tended to um, focus on uh, bigger passion points. Um, and what we've seen through even, I mean, even Macy's is, is a great example. They're not actually in China in a physical presence. However, we focus on tourism marketing, so really creating a, a theme around Macy's for when they do travel to America, and there's about 2 million Chinese that travel to the US every year, is that they consider Macy's as a key shopping destination on their trip. Um, so it's more about building out associations with travel, America, and Macy's, and ensuring that Macy's is one of those iconic destinations they want to visit. And, and I think there's a lot of brands in Australia that can really capitalize on that, whether they're small, medium, or larger businesses. It's understanding what role can their brand play in, in China's understanding of, of Australia, and, and what, is it, what does an experience to Australia really mean, and how your brand can play a role in that. Uh, and then if you, you know, if you really go that far, then you really start to explore about how does it experience change? Do you have staff to support that? Um, but at the first step, on the onset, it's, it's not just a matter of launching and then selling a brand. It's, it's about sitting down and going, who are our customers really talking to? Why? Who are they? What are their behaviors? What are their motivations? And how can we play a role to support that? One of the questions I asked David Thomas was, when Australians look at China, they just see this sort of sea of numbers that are so big and beyond our comprehension. Is that a barrier that we, we can't break it down into different groups, different demographics? It's just 600 million of this and a billion of that. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's, it's a bit of a fallacy too. Like it's not entirely accurate because the numbers that people project or it's, it's like when you talk to problem gamblers, they only talk about the wins. They don't tend to talk, talk about the losses. And everyone talks about these massive numbers. Um, however, as you, as you break it down, like China's more like a Europe rather than one country. So although there's 600 million people that maybe, maybe have a footprint online, um, there may only be potentially 100 million customers that may have any potential to be consuming your product. Um, and, then, and, then, and then if you really break it down to it, it's about getting into the industries that have the most amount of growth or the most amount of potential. So tourism obviously is a big one. Outbound tourism is growing huge in, in the past couple of years. I think it will hit $150 million this year. It was $120 million last year. That's, that's people going outbound. Um, so, you know, if you're a tourist destination, you're not really thinking about going, you know, if you're Sydney Harbour Bridge and say we want to target the 600 million people online in China, actually that's not entirely true. You're only really wanting to talk to the percentage of the 150 million that are likely to travel to Australia that year and ensure that you're on their, you're on their agenda, which may only be, you know, uh, 1 million people. 
So can you talk to me a bit about KWO, the social media public publishing app, which yes. you've launched a couple of years ago? Right. Yeah. So KWO is a is a social media publishing tool that that allows any foreign brand uh, destination personality sports team or whatever it may be to syndicate what they're doing across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram into Chinese social media. Um, so yeah, it's just a sort of a seamless publishing tool. And we've we built that product to support the growth of our business. Um, we had to sit down and ask ourselves, how do we launch eight teams in the NFL, which we launched last year in China. So it was, it was, about, it was about creating a system of content flow for our team to be able to manage that. Um, of course, you still need your own team to be doing the localization. Uh, however, we, we really use it as a management or publishing tool, similar to the way brands in Australia might use Hootsuite. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been incredibly, you know, successful to date and we're actually still rolling out a bunch of new features this year. So, so does it, very simply, does it translate what you're putting out in the English language world, for example, into um, Mandarin, Cantonese? No, it doesn't actually. All right. you, it can. I mean, it's up yes. to you to use it. It pulls in the data. It pulls in all the content. So you can decide any traffic sources you want for content. Um, and it just pulls it into a feed, a very, very visually cool feed. And then you as the social media manager in China or in Australia can select the posts that they wish to localize. They can create new posts for China, um, specifically for China. And then that, that can all be published from KWO without having to log into a Chinese network. And all the data, all the insights, all the feedback on the posts are all pulled into KWO as well. So, yeah, if you imagine you're managing four or five different brands or if you have two or three different sources being pulled in from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then it's a really great tool to help um, make that process a lot less painful. And, Andrew, you're an Australian who landed in China and has made an incredible career i understand there what you know looking beyond the social media aspect of communications what strategically would you say would be important for a business person carving their niche in the, in a chinese market uh, yeah well thank you for the compliment too i don't know who's been telling you that um, i i actually i get asked that question all the time like what's the what you know what is really the secret to winning in china and i'm going to say that i'm nothing special like i've been here the only difference is I've been here nine years, so I really committed to the market. Um, but if, if, if I had left after the first three or four years, then you know I would have looked like 90% of the other entrepreneurs that try to come out here and make a business of it. It just takes time to really make a footprint work, and it also takes time to establish a reputation at being good at something. Um, I think, though, but also to, to you know, so to that point. China is a, is a cool place by way of you get a lot more unique opportunities to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And if you do have the persistence, if you do have the commitment to developing a good reputation at whatever your craft may be, the, you know, the gold is at the end of the rainbow. Um, and I think it's a lot more here so than other markets um, just because of your uniqueness. So uh, I, I'm not saying like it's I think it's incredibly difficult and more difficult than most other markets due to the language and the cultural issues. It's also really challenging managing, you know, um, like multicultural teams. I, I mean, in our office, we have about 14 different nationalities. So you have a lot of cultural differences and there's so many different cultural holidays that you, that you have to respect. But, um, you know, the fruits uh, of actually building a business, having so many interactions with different types of people and also developing a reputation in the market is really rewarding and I still feel like it's it's my first year. So I just I just keep fresh. 
And when you see Australians or other international business people coming into the Chinese market, is there one thing that you could tell them to do differently or, you know, a common mistake that frustrates you? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just one thing. Um, <laughs> just one thing today. Yeah, <laughs> just, just one thing today. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, so if not folks getting off the boat today and starting to make their mark here, I would say just, like, assume everything will change. Um, and another way of looking at it, it's like playing a board game and everyone's playing a certain set of rules and you're playing different rules. So you can't really come into this market playing your rules. It's a completely different set of rules. So, you know, be coming off, off, off the boat, you know, just come in with a really open mind and expect, expect things to shift. Don't have too many expectations on your own paradigm or your own way of doing business because you're going to be very, very disappointed, frustrated and inevitably uh, leave and you talked earlier about your making a commitment, long-term commitment. And Andrew, you're just about to have a baby. Is that taking your business commitment to any nation too far? Yeah, maybe too far. I met my wife. Um, oh, okay. my wife. I met her for the first four or five months of living in China, which was, um, which, you know, which I think I got lucky in some respects. It also helped me focus and stay out of the clubs. Um, but yeah, no, our business is great, and we also have an office in New York City. We also have a bunch of startups that we that we have a majority stake in that are making traction in sports, entertainment, tourism. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I've made a commitment to China where the business has. And um, in, individually, I may, you know, leave and explore developing business elsewhere, um, all under the group of mailman. But, um, you know, it's such an exciting time in Shanghai that it's really hard to predict what the market will be like. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Andrew. Best of luck with the new arrival and your, I think it looks like about every single year you start a new venture in a new direction. That's, so that's uh, it. so <laughs> keep breeding business and babies. Thanks very much, Christine. Appreciate it. All the best. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of Powerful Podcasts. Episode two will be a wrap-up of Southwest Interactive. Hop onto Facebook and like thinkfirst.today or you can sign up for our newsletter. Remember, we hold regular monthly breakfasts that address different aspects of strategic communications, and we'd love to have you along. My name's Kirsten Lees.